Thanks for tuning in to Freedom House Podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this church as we change our world one life at a time. We'd love to stay connected with you by following us on social media at Freedom House OC, as well as our YouTube channel. Let's listen in on today's message. Come on, give God a hand clap right there. Come on, let's lift up his name higher and higher. Come on, give him a good clap. If you're at home, join in and just start clapping where you're at. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus today. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everyone. How's it going? I'm Pastor Lou and the Fulton Campus Pastor. It's such an honor to be here with you today, this morning. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to ask you to stand up a little bit, but I like to talk a little bit before I read the scriptures. So um, I'll ask you to stand up later. But uh, welcome to 9.30 a.m. Welcome online. So glad that you're here. Uh, Today, I have the honor and privilege of just delivering uh, the message to you. Um, We're continuing the series, The Rebuilt Life. It's uh, been such a great series uh, that we've been on. We actually were supposed to turn the page and get into a new series, but uh, Pastor, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, felt led just to keep it going for a little bit longer, um, or at least until today, (laughs) But uh, uh, and so that we can share with you just a little bit more about what's going on with Nehemiah, but before I do so... I just want to just honor because honor is a core value here at Freedom House. And whenever I have the opportunity to share one of our core values at Freedom House, I'm going to take the opportunity to do so. So honor, we believe, is, uh, is something that opens up a door that nothing else can. So we honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. So together, why don't you do this with me? Because I know they've impacted your life. They've impacted my life. Let's give it up for our lead pastors. Come on, just give them a round of applause. You know, make sure you include them in, their, in your prayers. Thank God for them, because without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. My marriage wouldn't be where it's at right now. My family wouldn't be where it's at right now. And I'm sure every one of you have a story of how their leadership and and their pastoral guidance has impacted you, whether it be in the building, you you come physically, or or whether you're watching online and how it's impacted you and changed your life, all because of what God downloaded into them and the obedience they had to walk it out. Come on, their obedience is an example to all of us that when you, when you obey God, listen to God, that, man, he can bless your life in such a great uh, way and make your life impactful for others to come and know Jesus as well. Who wants to live a life like that? Come on, a blessed life and one that's impactful to bring others to Jesus. That's the type of life I want to live. So we honor them. We love them. They're amazing. I want to honor my family too. My wife's in the front row uh, right now. Come on, give it up for my wife. She's amazing. She's beautiful. I love her. Um, and uh, my kids are around here. I got my boys. Uh, uh, they're serving ushers. And if you see them, you know, obey the ushers. That's probably one of my boys. Come on. They tell you to sit to the front. Just be polite. Say, all right. And don't be like, hey, this is my seat. I've been sitting here forever. <laughs> Make room. Make room. But uh, also, he's also uh, the other ones on media serving back there. So he's probably going to put up some of the scriptures that I have or a picture that I have for you that I'm going to show you later on. But, and my daughter, she serves in cafe. We're a ministry family. When I'm up here, I represent them. I'm not here by myself. I'm not up here. I'm not, I'm not like I did all this. But not, I needed them. I need their prayers. And as I pray for them, they pray for me. And together, um, uh, together we serve God together and, and we build this kingdom together. And uh, so I just honor them as well. And I honor you guys for tuning in online. I know you could be doing something else. Maybe you're, you're in bed and you could probably could have got a couple more hours of sleep or an hour of sleep or whatever. But you said, nope, I'm going to tune on. So I honor you and I honor those that are in here making the time. This is why I'm honoring you. It's like, why is he honoring me? Because you're making the time to grow your relationship with God. Come on, that's something to be honored. Not many people do that. And you guys are are putting forth that effort to do so. So most definitely I'm going to honor that. Um, And, you know, as we go forward, as we go forward this morning, the Rebuilt Life, the series that we're on, I'm loving it because we're learning about the story of Nehemiah. Um, last week was a little bit different, though. We had Pastor Jimmy Rollins from I-5 City Church with us. Come on, wasn't that awesome? He was here on Sunday. 9.30 a.m. he killed it. 11.30 a.m. he killed it. Uh, and it was, just, it was just amazing. His message was just amazing. And, um, you know, I love how he taught us. Uh, his, the title of the message, I believe, was how, how I Fight My Battles. This is how I fight my battles. I was like, that's an awesome message. Uh, he gave us some weapons. Uh, some weapons. He's taught about the weapon of territory, the weapon of strategy which is so cool, just, just a couple more tools to add to our belt as we continue to rebuild, restore, and revive. And, you know, as we, as we look at Nehemiah, I love how we're learning things from the book of Nehemiah to rebuild, restore, revive, and rebuild our lives back up um, because it's equipping us. It's equipping us. 
And these tools that are, are being given to us um, uh, are not just to equip us, but they're to empower us. And that's what we're learning. So when we come in here, we're learning about things, about equipping, about empowering. Well, you know, empowering and equipping, we got to know that empowering and equipping are two different things. And, and we need these tools to fight the battles that we're doing because we did learn from Pastor Josiah that on one week that we're building and battling. It, it'd be so much easier if we were just building, right? Can I get an amen on that? But the devil knows what we're trying to build. He knows you're trying to restore your marriage. He knows you're trying to, to put God first in your home. He knows you're trying to put God first in your finances. He knows that you're trying to put God first in your workplace. He knows that you're trying to rebuild these things and put God first. So he's going to fight you. So as you build, you're battling. But, but God is with you. That's the encouragement. You're not alone. Uh, you're not alone in that. And you're not alone because you got the rest of us doing it, doing it also. We're all doing it together. We're building, we're battling, we, we're putting God first and we're rebuilding what the devil tried to take away, what the enemy tried to take away. But today, today, I'm going to continue on and I want us, I want us to, to be even more equipped. And I also want this message to empower you. Because right now you're getting, uh, you've been equipped, you got the tools, but what good are the tools if you don't use them? If you don't use them, then there is no empowerment. You're just equipped. You got the, you're like the construction worker with the utility belt. You're just hanging around the work site and the foreman's like, come on, get to work. Do something. What are you doing? You got that fancy work belt over there. It is our strategy behind our, equi our equipping that empowers, up, empowers us. So we're going to jump back into the story of Nehemiah and see what else we can learn. And I believe there's a lot more that we can learn. So I want you to open up your notes nope, on your phone. Take notes. If you need notes, raise your hand on here. They put, they're putting it online as well. And um, as you're getting notes, you're getting ready. I'm going to give you just some background because I don't want to assume that everybody knows what we're talking about here. You might be your first time here. Welcome. First time locked on. Welcome. We're talking about a, a, a story about a man named Nehemiah. Um, and as we go into the scriptures, you look in the Bible, the Bible has a book named after him. It's about his story. Nehemiah was a, was a Jew at the time, was burdened by the afflictions of what was going on to his people and the destruction of their home city, his home city, was, which was Jerusalem. This place was torn down, the, the walls were burnt down, everything was just messed up and tore up. He got news for some people, like, how are my people doing over there? And they told him, this was going on, it's messed up over there. So... He heard that there, there was, the city was turned down, uh, torn down, uh, it was burned down, and that put a burden on his heart because he's like, man, this city should, that's the city of God. It should not be like that. My people should not be suffering, nor should the city of God, the, the, the city of Jerusalem, be torn down. So it put a burden on his heart, a passion. You might call that a passion for some of you who are new to church. Like, what's a burden? It's a passion that, that he could not let go. It was a fire shut up in his bones, as the Bible says. That, man, something has to be done about this. So he goes to prayer. <clears throat> he goes to prayer. He asks God, say, God, this is what's going on. This is what's happened to your people. This is what's going on in the city. Uh, you know, it's torn down. It's messed up. And at the end of his prayer, at the end of his prayer, he, he, he says, amen. And he goes on and, and does about what he normally does. Uh, at the time, he had a job. He was cupbearer to the king. So he went on doing that. And we don't know what God said to him after the prayer. We don't see that. But we know what God did. God put him in a position. God put him in a position that wasn't necessarily a comfortable position. Ever, has God ever put you in an uncomfortable position? I'm going to raise my hand. The Bible tells us that Nehemiah was afraid of the position that he was placed in. He was next to the king. And the king saw that he was, he was, uh, you know, he was downcast on his faith, face. His, his emotions were down. He was sad, you know, and, and the king's like, what's going on? And, and Nehemiah was afraid because you weren't supposed to be like that back then, you know, in front of the king. You were to be joyful. You were to be happy. And the king at any moment could be like, off with his head. <laughs> so Nehemiah was afraid. So he was in an uncomfortable position. We don't know what God told him, but he put him in a position of uncomfortability. And some of you might think like, man, I've been in that position where God has, has put me in an uncomfortable space or where I was afraid. Well, let me just encourage you in this because God's not putting you, uh, putting you in that position to make you fearful because God doesn't work like that. The spirit of fear doesn't come from God. For God, it's just a position, but for you, it could be something that's just intimidation. 
Don't be quick. So I say this because I don't want you to be quick to disregard what intimidates you because it might be the position God has for you. Don't be quick to disregard, the posi- the, disregard what intimidates you because it might be the position God has for you. Nothing intimidates God. But I ain't going to lie. I get intimidated. Nehemiah get intimidated. I'm sure some of you, if you want to make me feel better, say amen to this, get intimidated. <laughs> I don't want to be alone up here. But this was Nehemiah. So back to Nehemiah, he recognized the position he was in. He was intimidated. He wasn't afraid, but he recognized that this is the thing that I had prayed for. Yeah, I don't know if God spoke to him, but he does know that God put him in this position. This is my chance. He didn't run from it, nor did he make himself small in it. He was ready for it. He was ready for it because he had a plan, because he had a strategy for it. So this is where we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4 through 8. And I'm, as is accustomed to our house, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of the word of God. And the Bible reads like this. It said, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to God, to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, which is, which is cool. So he was in the position, and, and he already prayed his prayer. He knew he was in the position. God put him in that position, but he still said a little quick prayer before he even answered the king which is, I just love the fact that he just leans on God in these pressure moments, tense moments. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in the sight of him, in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? When will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I, I set a time. So, A part of his plan, he gave him a timeline. This is the time. Verse 7, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of uh, Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make uh, beams for the gates and of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. So he not only asked for resources for his city, but he's bold enough to say, yeah, for, for my family too, and for my residence in my home too. So he's not just praying for other people. He's saying, man, I, you know, I'm, I, I need, I'm believing for other people, but he's, I'm believing for myself too. So this is what I need as well. I love that about him, his boldness. I believe that's how God wants us to come to him. Because sometimes it's easier to pray for the other person. But sometimes it's, sometimes it's difficult to pray for, for ourselves. I think God wants us to come to him with both things. Yeah, we're praying for other people. But also let them know what you need for yourself. And I love that about Nehemiah. And I believe uh, uh, that's something that we need to grab and take, uh, you know, as, as, as we go forward, you know, in our relationship with God, in our prayers with God. So the king answers, and bec- or the Bible says, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Read this with me, okay? We're going to start from hand on the count of three. One, two, three. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, the gracious hand of God is on you. The gracious hand of God is on you. The title of my message is called Strategic Building. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for our 9.30 a.m. service. I thank you for the word that you've given me. I pray that in this moment, Lord, as the word goes out, May I not hinder it with my own uh, motives or intentions, Father God, but it may be your word going out unhindered by how I try to speak it, Father God. May my words be your words, my thoughts your thoughts, Lord, and may your word go out and not return void as your word says, Lord. May it fall in the soft soil of the, of the hearts of your people, Lord, and may it grow, may it manifest, and may they take this to be strategic builders, Father God, strategically building up their lives as we rebuild, restore, revive. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated online. You can type amen on there to agree on the prayer. So excited again to be here. How many of you guys like fun facts? <clears throat> Or uh, I like fun facts, icebreakers. Right now, we're going to do an icebreaker right now, so get ready. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to include you in an icebreaker, but I like fun facts. I like icebreakers. They, they, let, they allow us to get to know people and then kind of bring the mood. Uh, the icebreaker brings the mood in, in, into a place where people are more comfortable. So I want to give you a fun fact about myself. 
I don't want to assume everybody knows, but one of the things about me is that I love to run. I'm a runner. Um, I, you know, I didn't get any amens out there, but all right. <laughs> People are like, oh, go ahead. I keep running. <clears throat> but I like to run. I like to, uh, I'm a runner. I've been running for quite some time. And, uh, and, and one of the things that I, I love about running is just that, you know, I get to be out there, mind to my, you know, got my mind, it, it, it clears my mind. It gives me space to think. It gives me space to pray. It's one of the places I pray. It's not the only place I go and pray. But uh, in, a, in moments, I've had God just downloaded to me, you know, certain things. I'm not trying to super spiritualize running, but I'm just telling you some of the things that I love about it and what it does for me. And it's just kind of like, I just love being outdoors. I think, I think it's awesome. When I started my <clears throat> running, I realized that, hey, I have some, some goals, some things that I wanted to accomplish with my running. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to run a marathon. So uh, about five years back, I believe, 2017, uh, yeah, 2017, about that, almost about that, um, I decided to run um, the L.A. Marathon. So actually, actually, I made the decision in 2016 because the marathon was in 2017, and because I, and, uh, and I had you know, trained for it and prepared for it and all that stuff. But uh, I decided to run the L.A. Marathon. Um, it was a bucket list thing. Um, you know, will I run a marathon again? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think it's just one of those things that I checked off and um, I'm good with right now. But uh, I wanted to make sure that I got it done. Um, you know, running is something that, you know, to me, it's probably one of the most natural things you can do for fitness because God gave you two legs and, you know, if, if something was chasing you, you'd be running. So, <laughs> unlike the gym, and I'm not talking, talking about the gym, but you don't run with a, with, a, with, a, with a bench press with a barbell or anything like that. You know, you don't do that. But uh, it's very natural, um, and I love it. Uh, so I, you know, coming into the marathon, I knew I had to accomplish a plan. I had to prepare for it. There's something I had to do. It wasn't just something that people do. Normal people don't run. If in case you're running, a marathon is 26.2 miles uh, of running. Normal people don't run that on a daily basis. Your body's not meant for you to run that on a daily basis, although that you can train your body to, to run that. That's what I had to do. Um, and, and I completed it. I got together, you know, put to come on. Go, go ahead. Yeah, you can give me a hand clap. I completed the run. And I remember that day. There was a day of celebration of completion. And I took a picture to commemorate this day and remember this day. And one day when I, when I preached the show to you, just kidding, I didn't have that intention. But, but here's the picture. Can you put up that picture for me? This right, I got approval from my, well, not all my family. It was my wife's, can I put this up? You know, uh, but, uh, but this is me, 2017. These are my kids right here. And this is the day that, you know, that I ran the marathon. I'm ho- up here holding my medal. I brought the medal with me. Can you bring that medal out to me? I'm going to show it to you. I don't know if everybody's ever seen this, this type of a marathon medal or whatever, but this is a pretty cool medal. I don't want, anybody want to zoom in on this? You zoom in on that? No, you don't have to clap for that, but, go, but I just want to show you because I, I just think it's cool and I don't get a chance to bring it out as much. <laughs> but, but this is, uh, this is what, what I won. This is what I got. Now, I won that. I got. Let me give this back to you. I won that, I got that, and this is awesome, but the thing that I remember most is, uh, is this right here, just my family. Um, the thing that I remember most is the journey. Uh, the thing that I remember most uh, <clears throat> are the runs in between that. Um, I, just, I just remember these things because my emotions were attached to it. Um, I remember uh, this, though, because this, this, was, this was definitely an emotional day at the end to, to hear everybody was happy, everybody was you know, celebrating. My, my wife was celebrating me. My children were celebrating me. I had my sister there as well. Um, something very cool that, that I, I didn't know was happening, but I even got like a, uh, a few of uh, uh, people from church. They did a video and they sent it to me uh, uh, via Instagram and, and I got to open it up. And when, when it was time, like, and they were cheering me on and just saying congratulations, with the, which I thought was, a, was awesome. Because sometimes you think like you're alone, but people are cheering you on. That's why I'm bringing it up. People are cheering you on seeing you run your race. But <clears throat> it didn't start here. It didn't start here. It didn't start with these, these smiles. It didn't start with the medal. I would venture even to tell you that it even, didn't even start with the, completing, with the running of the 26.2 miles at the start line. It didn't even start with the, with the, with the, with the buying of the, the running shoes. It didn't start with the buying of the running gear, the, the hat, the sunglasses. It didn't start with all of that. It didn't start with any of that. What it started was with, it was a plan. I literally sat down and found a plan 
so I can complete the marathon. It started with a plan. Now, Nehemiah, I bring this up because Nehemiah had a plan. Nehemiah started with a plan. He started with prayer, yes, and then in between the prayer, and then when he got to the king, he, he had a plan. It wasn't enough for Nehemiah just to pray. And don't get me wrong here, prayer is awesome, prayer is powerful, but prayer is a part of the equation. There's a plan of action that we had to take. Now for Nehemiah, his plan was to build the walls. My plan was to complete 26.2 miles. He had a plan also to build up God's people. So when it came to when the king asked Nehemiah, what is it that you want? In Nehemiah 2.5, I answered the king. He said, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor inside of him, in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So his main goal was to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the people. He gives the king, the king a timeline as well because every plan needs a timeline. Some plans, you know, the timelines, as, as you go along, uh, the, the timelines may have to change. You know, I, I learned that when I used to work in a, uh, for the gas company and working with people in, in, in construction projects, timelines always had to change because something would come up. But nevertheless, there was always a plan. So Nehemiah had a plan. He gives the, t- the king a plan. He asked also the king, you know what, I, there's, I need some protection too because he foresaw that there could be some trouble coming his way. So he asked for protection in his plan as we read in the scriptures. And then he asked the king for resources to build because he understood like, man, I don't have all those resources. So I had to ask the king for some resources so that I can build the walls. Now my question to you is where did Nehemiah get this plan? He got this plan He got this plan somewhere in between his prayer to God and being placed in front of the king. So what does that tell us about Nehemiah? Nehemiah did not just wait around with prayer, although he was a very uh, spiritual man. He prayed to God, went to God, asked for God for assistance and help and for his favor. But in between that time, we don't know what God told them, but we do know in between that time, there was a plan that came to him. Because when the king asked them, what is it you need from me? He didn't say, oh, let me think about it. He said, this is what I need. Because he was thinking, he was being strategic. He was thinking about what's it take to build a wall? What's it take to build up a city? What's it take Not only to do that, but what does it take for me to be able to sustain the the building of the wall and to lead people into building of the wall and and to to restore what, what has been destroyed? What does it take? When it comes to rebuilding, you can't stop at prayer. You must also have a plan. Strategic building, point number one, you must have a plan. Go ahead and fill that out there. You must have a plan. Nehemiah prayed. He got the spiritual part down. Nehemiah was so spiritual, he went to God first. How many of us go to God first? Come on, I'll raise my hand. And, and, and at times, maybe I forget to go to God first, but man, I'm doing, making every effort to go to God first when things come up, uh, when the pressure's on. Nehemiah went to God first. He was, he was, that was the, the spiritual side of him that says, man, I need to go to God first. But let me tell you this. Nehemiah was so spiritual that not only he went to God in prayer, but he was so spiritual that he got down into the practical things. You might be wondering, like, what are you talking about, spiritual and practical? I think there's a common, a common thread that, that, that I hear every so often that the spiritual and practical are two different things. But I'm here to let you know that the spiritual and practical are one and the same, that practical is very spiritual because what you get in the spiritual releases you to do things in the practical. So when you come to God in prayer and he gives you a direction, or when you come to his word and you start reading, oh, this is what I need to do, well, there's practical things that are tied to it that you have to do in order to see God work in that space in your life, in that area of your life. So the spiritual thing we have to do, but also the practical, because the practical is very spiritual. And we as believers have have to understand that it's not just about getting to church on Sunday. It's not just about prayer, and it's not just about fasting. It's about all those things together with the steps that God is directing us to take and asking us to take as well. 
In this instance, in this case, rebuild, restore, revive, Nehemiah had a, had a plan. He prayed, he had to get a plan. For us as rebuild, restore, revive, go, you know, we're into 2021. I want to say going into, but we're, we're into March tomorrow. Man, it's crazy. Um, rebuild, restore, revive. We got to get the spiritual and we got it. We have the spiritual. I believe we have that down. We did the 21 days of prayer and fasting. That was awesome. We're still praying. We're still, we're, we still fast, but we still got to get the practical. How do we rebuild? And we have to come up with a plan. We have to come up with a plan. Nehemiah was, uh, his thinking was, uh, he was thinking and calculating, saying to himself, this is how I'm going to build. We as believers have to start thinking and calculating, how are we going to build? We've just come out of prayer. We got out of the prayer closet. We come out of the 21-day fast. Okay, now how are we going to build? For some of you, God has already downloaded you. He gave you the plan. For some of you, you might not know the plan yet, but that doesn't stop you from continuing to build. Create a plan. Start a plan. Involve God in the plan and watch how he refines the plan. This is what I'm going to need. These are the people that are going to help. This is the way I'm going to do it, Nehemiah says. This is the business plan that I'm going to run with. This is my tithe that I'm going to give uh, this Sunday. This is the budget that I'm going to stick to. These are the date nights I'm setting up with my wife. This is the time I'm going to be intentional with my kids. This is the connect group I'm going to attend. This is the ministry I'm going to serve in. These are the people I need to forgive. These are the people I need to ask forgiveness from. This is the amount of study time that I need to study so I can get that grade that I want. This is the conversation, the hard conversation and crucial conversation that I need to have. What are those statements? Those statements are plans, and maybe some of those statements are yours. And if I didn't touch on yours, then fill in the blank. Those are plans. Those are things that you have to execute. Especially the last one. I love the last one because when I mentioned the crucial and hard conversations, because you got to think about how you're going to have conversations, how you're going to speak, the language you're going to use. Nehemiah understood this. Nehemiah had a plan. He knew what he wanted to do, what he wanted to rebuild. But he also knew that his language was important. Let me read it to you one more time, and I'm going to show you Nehemiah 2.5. I answered the king, if it pleases the king. He just said, this is the plan God gave me, so I'm going to do it. He said, if it pleases the king. He was very strategic with his, with his verbiage, with his language. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight. And he comes to him as your servant, if I, if I found favor in your sight. He was strategic with his language. He didn't come with ego. He didn't come with pride. He knew that he had a, he had a burden on his heart. He had passion on his heart. But his passion was not an excuse to be obnoxious was not an excuse to be egotistical, was not an excuse to be prideful, was not an excuse to say, I have the confidence of God inside me, so I just got to tell it how it is. He was strategic with his language. He was strategic. Nehemiah, Nehemiah thought about it all because he knew in Proverbs 18.21 that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. So, he came to prayer. In between that prayer, he got a plan. And with that plan, he also realized that I have to be creative with my language, strategic with my language, because my language has the power of life and death. Here's the point. Your plans will never overcome the words you use that contradict it. What does that sound like? Man, this marriage is never going to work. I just came to marriage conference. That's not going to work for my marriage. I went to, you know, junior high and alive and Pastor Tommy and what he was saying about being an influencer or being influenced. I don't know about that. Man, these kids, they're never going to get to church. Man, these kids will never turn around. You see, you can have a plan to succeed in those areas, but if your language is contradicting your plan, then you are just working against yourself, working against your plan, and you're just creating just wasted effort. Because your language brings life and death. If, not, if Nehemiah would have come to the king in a different tone, in a different manner, this plan probably wouldn't have come to fruition. When it comes to rebuilding, you can't stop at prayer. You must also have a plan. Plans are important to God, so they need to be important to us. How many of you are planners in here? All right, and the rest of us, we let other people plan for us, <laughs> which is awesome. 
But it's important for us to realize that, that, that God looks at plans and they are important to him. So the plans that we set in our lives, that God has for our lives, we have to realize they need to be important to us. I will say this about plans too before I move on. I'm about to move on. I think I've been on this point a little too long, but, but Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. God's plan is always the best plan. I will say that, okay? So that, his plan should always trump your plan. So if you, you have something planned out, that's awesome. But don't be so married to your plan that, that, that you just forget about God's plan. Marry yourself to God's plan first and foremost uh, and, and allow his plans to, to play out in your life. Be strategic in your rebuilding. Have a plan too. Psalm 24, I think I've been, I'm saying this, but I'm going I'm to say this scripture just to, re, uh, to reemphasize. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. If you, if you don't have plans, how he's going to make them succeed? So make sure you have plans. You must have a plan. Say it with me. You must have a plan. Point number two. You have a plan now. Now it's time to take action. Take action. Nehemiah 2, 11 through 16, the Bible says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I rose in the night, and I, I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. And I'm going to stop right here because this is awesome. Because God, God, is, God gave something to Nehemiah, but he didn't tell anyone yet. And I want to encourage you, you don't have to tell everybody about what God has given you if he just gave it to you. You don't want to do that because when he gives it to you, he gives it to you in an infant stage. And you have to protect it. You have to nurture it. You, you, you have to be aware of the things that, that can infiltrate and try to, to wreak havoc on it. So, if, so Nehemiah, is, you know, he didn't tell anybody about what God put in his heart. But he still, he still took action. He still had a plan. It's okay not to tell everybody. Joseph had a dream, a couple dreams, and he got in trouble for telling it right away. His brothers just, you know, got jealous and, and, and they threw him in a pit. And he got sold into slavery all because he told them about a, what God put in his heart at that time too soon. It was too soon. Now, we know how that story goes in Joseph, but with Joseph, but, but for some of you, if God places something in your heart, you don't have to share it right away. And then I'll also say this. If you do share it, there's going to be the right time to share it. Make sure you're sharing it with the right people. Use wisdom on how you share it with. Don't take it to your unsafe friends or anyone who doesn't know Jesus because they'll never understand unless they understand the God who gave it to you. Make sure you get it to the right people. Make sure, I would even say this, make sure you send it to, you, you get it to the, to, to the more uh, mature uh, people, uh, you know, mature believers. Because even sometimes, our, you know, young, young believers in, in the faith, is, it's hard to process for them as well. So use wisdom. Use wisdom. Let me read on. Let me go on. Nor was there any animal with me except the one in which I rode. Verse 13, and I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent wall and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were burned with fire. I'm going to stop right here. When Nehemiah looked, Nehemiah looked uh, to rebuild. He did not avoid the hard things. Now, now follow me on this, okay? Because I saw this and God just spoke to me and I want to share it with you. Nehemiah looked at the things that were hard first. He went through the things that were hard first. Now, uh, uh, symbolically speaking, he, the Bible says that he went out in the nighttime. The nighttime, the dark. The dark time. He went in the dark. That was the timing of it. He, he did not avoid the darkness. He went into it. He went in the night to go see. In the nighttime, in, in the dark, it's a lot harder to get things done. In the nighttime, when, when I've done some night runs, sometimes it's hard to see where my footing is. And sometimes I have tripped because I hadn't had the proper footing because it was night. Nehemiah went through the night. And you got to imagine at that time, they didn't have like light poles. They didn't have cars with headlights. They probably had lamps. And he went to go examine. He went into the dark spaces to examine what was going on. And, and I know some of you might think like, man, I don't want to go into this space because it's a little bit dark. It, 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 it feels a little bit lonely right there. But, but let me just encourage you. 
some of those places have to be gone into so that you can shed the light that God has given you. Because if you avoid in the darkness, what happens, the dark, it just, it just sits there and just takes up a space that never should have been allotted to that in the first place. The next thing, the next thing he went through, the Bible says he went through the valley gate. If you look in the Bible, the Bible talks about, about peaks and, 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 and lows, and it talks about mountaintops and valleys. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no effort. The valley is symbolic of just low points. And he went through the hard things. He went through the low points. And some of us, some of us have to go back to rebuild the low points in our lives so that they, we can take them to the high points. Some of us have to look back to the low points in our, in our marriage or to the low points in our relationship to, to figure out, okay, how did it get here? Okay, how can we rebuild from this low point to get it to the high point? How did I get to this space where I'm leaning on a bottle instead of leaning on Jesus? We have to find that out and we have to get healed from these things. Don't be afraid of going through the hard things. The Bible also says that, that he went uh, uh, past the serpent well. The serpent is associated with the devil, with the enemy. Now, I don't know, you know, you know why Nehemiah went this, uh, you know, added this or got this or why there's a serpent well. I don't know what that is. But, but symbolically, as I was, I was reading this, the picture God gave me is, is this. Some of you have been so attacked by the enemy that you are afraid to go back to what the enemy has attacked because you don't even know how to rebuild it. You just rather ignore it. But God wants to restore it. He wants to take back what the enemy stole from you and pay back more with interest. <laughs> Nehemiah went through that. And then the Bible says here that he went, and through the ref, went through and examined the refuse gate. The refuse gate, if you see in other translations, is the dung gate. For me, talking to you, I'm going to call it the number two gate. Some of you got that. <laughs> Number two gate. He went through the thing that was pretty smelly, pretty dirty, unsanitary, and even examined that. Because some of us, in our lives, we have to examine how we deal with the, the, um, the, the messy things, the messy things in our lives the stinky things in our lives, the more difficult things in our lives, we have to set boundaries around those things. Nehemiah realized that this gate, though it was a dirty gate, it was a nasty gate, it was a smelly gate, this gate needed to be set up, it needed to be built because this is how we deal with, with those things in our life. We have, to, we have to put it in its place where it needs to belong. It's time to take action towards the hard things that we have been avoiding. I found that in my life when I was younger, when I was younger, that I would avoid the hard things. I would avoid them because I didn't want to deal with them. But as I've gotten older and more mature, I've realized that the hard things, when I deal with the hard things first, it's a lot easier for me now because you get them out of the way. Don't avoid the hard things. Don't avoid the messy things. Don't avoid the things that, that, that you just want to sweep under the rug. And I'll tell you this, if you stop avoiding those things and start taking action towards them, then God will release some things and take actions towards you. There's some things that, that God wants to release in your life, but because you haven't gone to, gone to take care of the hard things, it hasn't been released yet. But I feel that God wants to release those things in your life. What God has set aside for us is not guaranteed or automatic. So much of it depends on our obedience and responsible action. Let me continue to read. I'm going to jump down to verse 16 uh, for the sake of time. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the others did the work. So Nehemiah did not wait for permission from any officials. He didn't wait for a pastor to tell him. He didn't wait for someone to ask him. He didn't wait for confirmation. Nehemiah had a plan and he took action. He didn't wait to pray about it again and again and again. God, should I serve? Okay, all right, serve. Okay, God, what ministry should I serve? Okay, all right, that ministry. 
Well, let me just make sure one more time. God, should I serve in this ministry? Because that's ministry. Okay, all right, I'm going to serve. Okay, wait a minute, one more time. God, should I serve? Oh, let me go talk to Pastor Louie one more time. He didn't wait for that. Don't, don't get me wrong. God is a God of order, so there's certain things that we have to take in order, but, but, but in context of what I'm talking about here, just take action. Just take action. You don't need to pray about if you need to give the tithe. The tithe is not yours anyways. Don't worry. I'm not picking up an offering. But, but you don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about serving. You don't have to pray about, about coming to church on Sundays. You don't have to pray about whether I'm going to come on Wednesday night. Take action. You don't have to pray about getting to a connect group where you build relationships. You don't have to pray about those things. Just go do it. Go do it. Take action and watch God bless your actions. Take action. That's what Nehemiah did. He took action. God is with you. Don't feel like you're alone. We're here with you. We're a family of God. We're, we're here to support you and, and, and build you up. Take action. Forgive who you need to forgive. Have that conversation. Hold yourself accountable by telling somebody what you struggle with. Or, or, or why your, you know, your, your, your home is, 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 is you know, out, of, out of whack or what's going on there. Come on, hold yourself accountable. Take action. Take action. Don't be afraid to take actions toward the small, to, towards the hard things that need to be rebuilt. God is with you. Have a plan. Take action. Going back to the, to the marathon in the beginning that I mentioned, I had a plan. It was four months it was four months. The plan was four months, and it, it took me through the winter time. So a lot of my runs that I had were cold. They were dark. There were lonely runs. There were hard runs. And then there was also runs in there that were very strenuous, runs that, 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 that when I had to think about that run, oh, that runs on the calendar, I literally had to prepare my mind days in advance because I would put my body under so much intense pressure in that run to, to, to get it done. Runs that I, I probably would have avoided, wanted to avoid, but I knew these are the runs, uh, the, 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 the ones that I needed to get out of the way so that I can, can uh, add value to my training so it gives me the strength to complete the marathon that I was looking to complete because that was the plan. These were the plans. These were runs that made me even question, can I even run the 26.2 miles? Because I had some runs like, man, if I can't even do this type of run, I don't even feel good about this run. How am I going to feel good about the 26.2? Going through these runs made me feel like I didn't have the strength to complete the plan has set up for myself. And for some of you, some of the things that you're going through that you need to get through are kind of you probably, probably have started to go through, you're, you're starting to feel like, man, I don't even know if I can go through this because it makes me feel like I can't even rebuild, restore, revive right now. There's no way I can get to that. But what I've found is that these runs were some of the most formative runs for me that added the greatest value for me to complete that 26.2 miles. And some of the hard things that you're going through right now are going to be some of the most formative things to give you the strength that's needed to rebuild, restore, and revive in your life right now. Don't avoid those hard things. Nehemiah had a plan and he went through the hard things, but he also completed the plan because we know what he did. It wasn't just the easy things he looked at, it was the hard. And this is what happened. This is what happened. I'm going to finish up right now so you can stand to your feet. This is what happened. So Nehemiah 8.10, okay? You guys have heard this scripture before. I'm going to read it to you. It says, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy your choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 8. Why didn't he tell them when they were building that? When they were building, why didn't he say that to them? He didn't say it during the building process. He said it at the end. <clears throat> so this time right here, when he speaks it to them, they were gathered all together. 
The walls were, were built. They were all gathered together in one space. And what was happening is that the priest, the man of God, his name was Ezra, was getting to read the, word, the, the book of the law, which is the word of God. He was getting to read the word, the word to them. So Nehemiah was gathering the people, or, or the people were all gathered, and they were reading the word of the Lord unto them. And then at that moment, <clears throat> that moment, the people started crying. The, the people started getting, getting sad, and they were crying. But Nehemiah in verse 8, uh, or chapter 8, verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. They were crying. Why do you think they were crying? Think about it. The, 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 their city, their home that was once torn down, that, that was once burnt down, the walls were all over the place, the ruins were everywhere. They, they, were, they, were, they were escaped from, some of them escaped captivity, so they were all off wandering, and some of them uh, you know, were in captivity, and, and, you know, and, and, and they, they're all come back. So much emotion behind them being in the place. Man, look at these walls. It's back. Look at our home. It's back rebuilt. Our home looks magnificent. Our home looks great again. Our home. They were looking around and seeing these walls and seeing the gates, everything that was built up. But knowing, knowing the things that they went through to see this, and they just started crying when they heard the word of God come upon, upon them as, as it was being spoken from Ezra. And I can just imagine them because they were probably thinking is this. They probably thought that this would never happen again. That the city would not be built up. So they probably, a lot of those people or many of those people or maybe even all of those people lost hope of their home ever being rebuilt or restored or revived again. So they're looking around and they're seeing this and they start crying as they're hearing the word of the Lord because when you, when you lose hope, when they lost hope, they probably lost hope in God too. And when you lose hope in God, you tend to lose hope in the things of God and then you tend to, to stray away from God. So they're coming back and they're hearing the word of the Lord and they're hearing this and they're, they're, they're crying and they're crying and they're crying. And Nehemiah tells them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. At that moment, they were feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit because they started to remember all the bad things that were going on in their life and how they walked away from God, how they stepped away from God, how they stopped coming to church, how they stopped reopening the word, how they stopped praying to him, how they stopped serving him, how they stopped doing things for him. And they were feeling the conviction and the conviction and say, oh my God, and started crying and crying and crying. But Nehemiah says, no, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Today is a time of rejoicing because that is what the Bible says that they were telling them today is a day to celebrate is the day that is holy unto the Lord. Now's not the time to cry about your mistakes. Now's not the time to cry about your sin. Now's not the time to cry about what separated you from God and how you turned your back on God. Now's not the time. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God is more concerned about your future than he is your past. And Nehemiah was trying to tell them that your knowledge of your mess-ups should never be bigger than the knowledge of your God. And I believe that Nehemiah is continuing to tell us that our knowledge of our mess-ups should never be bigger than our knowledge of, our, of Jesus, our Savior. When we know more about our sin than we know about Jesus, we will never be able to make a plan and take action towards what God wants us to build in our lives. Strategic building is not enough to just be equipped. You need to be empowered. You have the tools. God has given to them to you. You continue to have them. But those tools aren't just meant for the easy things, they're, just, they're meant also for the hard things in life. Don't be afraid to get through the hard things. Don't be afraid to go and rebuild the things that seem really, really hard or the things that you're trying to avoid. Those are the things that God wants to bring breakthrough in your life. Restoration or vision back into your life. 
you may have made some mistakes. Maybe in the last year, you were, you, you're the one that stepped away from God. You're the one that stopped tuning in online. You're the one that stopped opening the word. But today, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Today is the time to take action. Today is the time of celebration because no longer, no longer are you going to step backwards. You are now going to go forward. Today, it's about your future and what God has set up for you and how you step towards that. So as you step towards that, I want to encourage you, church, be as strategic with your building. Yes, pray, but have a plan and take action. You're not alone, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. We every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to receive because I'm going to pray for you right now. Father in heaven, I thank you for every single person in this place. I pray that the word that has gone out, Lord, Father God, resonate with them. May they not segregate themselves from this word and say, that is not for me, that is for my neighbor. That is for the, the, my friend that should have come but didn't come. I'm going to send them the link. But may they, Father God, internalize this. May it be equipping but above all else, may it empower them, Father, to, to go out, Lord, and rebuild, restore, and revive. May they go out strategically as Nehemiah did, Lord, starting with prayer, then a plan, and taking action, Father. No more inaction. I come against inaction in the name of Jesus. I come against complacency in the name of Jesus. I speak forth action into your people to move step by step towards the things of God and rebuild, restore, revive. Oh, Father, I thank you. Fill them, empower them, and may they trust you, Lord, with the word that has been released in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this out. I trust you now. Thanks for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by this message. Show us your support by sharing your favorite podcast on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freedom House OC today. See you next week.